I always say there's three reasons people are poor. Really four. The overarching principle is stubbornness. Below that, there's four kinds of stubbornness. There's self-importance. The second one's related, sensitivity. The third one is sensual. And then the fourth reason, sometimes people are just stupid. Like you'll tell them and they can't get it. They're like, but, but I like my website. Well, okay. You can be right or you can be rich. Most people don't care who your partners are. People care. You know one thing I've learned in life, being around a lot of people, people are really in love with themselves and um, beyond that and their own family. You know why people love their own family? You know why mothers love their children and go, there's just something magical about you? It's because their children have 50% of their DNA. So what they're really saying is, I love myself and I see you in me. That's why. Just to be blunt, if you want to talk about real world, Dr. David Buss was just here at my house this weekend, the number one evolutionary psychologist in the world. You know, the Harvard guy, top 10 most cited psychologist in history. People love themselves. So when you come to your website, there's nothing that I can love here. It's nothing. Unless you're Amazon, nobody's going to go buy an iPhone case and some jewelry on the same website. I mean, give that up. I'm telling you. You can argue with me. If any of you wants to do a $50,000 bet on any of these websites, we'll put it in escrow. You let me have a month to fix these websites. If their conversion rate and traffic goes up, I get your 50 grand. If it goes down, you get my 50 grand. I will take people's money all day long if you want to bet. Like I said, I've already bet, me and, and Alex have bet 600 million bucks over our careers in the last 10 years on how to do this marketing stuff. So let's look at another one, youngrebel.com. I hope this is helping you guys out a little bit. Okay, youngrebel.com. Yeah, this is a great website. You're selling your domain name. Okay. EMSgeneralcontractors.com. Okay. That's actually interesting. I rarely like pop-ups, but $1,000 off is kind of good, but it's too early. Nobody's ready to hire you for the first time they go to your website. So 1000 you know what a suspicious person will think? Oh, they're just going to raise the price a thousand bucks and then give you that one time I went to Mexico. <laughs> I'll never forget. I went with my business partner, this guy named John Dewar, and we're like going back to America. And this guy comes up with carpets and he's like, this carpet right here, I'll sell you for 10,000 pesos. And John's like, no, no, I'm not interested. And so the guy put out a calculator and he's like, but for you, I like you. There's something about you. And so he said, I want to multiply it times 0.5. So it's now $5,000. And John's like, nah, I still don't care. And the guy's like, but your English is so good, I'm going to subtract 4,000. And he went down from like 10,000 pesos to like finally 300. And we knew he was bluffing. People are going to think you're bluffing. What you need here is a picture of your family's better. If this has been a family business for 20 years, get your grandkids together. Show the behind-the-scenes stuff. Trustworthy contractors for your home services. Always remove generic BS words. Quality doesn't have to cost a fortune. Blah. Blah. Nobody wants to read this. You know what's better? Put a before and after of a house that looked like crap before I came in. After. Before and after sells like you cannot. But you want to sell weight loss? I go to these people's weight loss websites. Show people fat and then skinny. And thousands of those and people will hire you. It's like literally that simple. Swimming pool mastery. Love the advice and value you're putting out. Your username is skinny girl. You could be, a bef- you could be the after picture. Okay, Harmar. Let me try to do one that's not Petri Wedding. 
What is that? There are some weird websites out here in the world. Oh, this is just for you getting married? <laughs> That's kind of a cool idea. So it's not really you're trying to make money. Okay. That's all right. I mean, this is a wedding thing. I specialize in stuff to make money. One thing I would tell you, even though it's, it is kind of cool to look at each other, I'd have a video because people who hit this website are people who already know you. So a picture, it's not like random strangers going to go here. Show a video of you guys talking and like, here's our story of how we fell in love. And people like that story, you know, tell stories. Each of you needs to become a Steven Spielberg. Each of you need to become this person that can just tell an amazing story, the movie of your print, the movie of your brand, the movie of your product. You know, a lot of people started following me when I just started doing YouTube in 2015 and I just showed my life and I like bought a Lamborghini and not to show off, I literally bought a Lamborghini because there was a Halloween party and I was going to be Batman. I was dating this girl. She's like, you be Batman. So I bought a black Lamborghini that looked like, she's like, this one looks like a Batmobile. And then like three months later, I made the Here in My Garage video. So that was, a, that was an afterthought. And it was me showing the behind the scenes. Okay. Ruthandmaze.com. A lot of you are trying to, you're literally, look, let me show you something. This right here. You know why this thing makes a, made a million dollars in the last 30 days? This box? Because it's very simple. We ship you, if you sign up for MentorBox, it's like the Netflix of books. We either give you a digital subscription to top nonfiction self-help books, and you just click and watch videos like you do Netflix, except you learn, or we'll mail you to your house a box of books. The best books taught by the authors with summary guides and all that stuff. So here's the thing. Jeff Bezos became the richest man in the world selling books online, just simple stuff. This is not a box that sells books makeup, grapes, protein drinks. Like some of you are just, you're doing too much. You cannot do too much or people won't buy from you at all. I just don't think you're gonna get a lot of emails, man. Uh, I know it's people, that's not how you do a pop-up. Better to do a pop-up is to have urgency. So instead of enter your email and on your first order get 10% off, eh. First of all, why are you only gonna do 10% off? Dude, something better. There's this web, there was this Instagram that went crazy viral a few months ago. They, it was a red bikini. Now they made a mistake. Don't do this because this is kind of illegal what they did, but they didn't mean to. They said, if you repost this picture of this red bathing suit, we'll ship you a free bathing suit. And like 1 million people did it. And they're like, holy crap, we don't have a million bathing suits to give away. So they like just kind of got out. And I don't know what happened to the company. Don't do that. But the point is, are you really excited to give your email away for 10% off something you don't even know if you're going to buy? Everybody's clicking off this. If you look through your conversion rate, you're not getting a lot of emails. Okay, Ruth and May, you can't read that very well. I still don't know what you're selling. Is it natural flowers? Is it natural hair? Is it natural landscaping? Simpler, simpler. Apple. What do we see when we go to Apple? iPhone. iPhone iPhone. Does it keep it esoteric? Is it some random collage of phones coming down with people with their back? I'm just like, common sense is dead in the world. If people don't want to spend time on Apple, they don't want to spend time on your... I, I can pretty much gauge how much money a website makes without looking at it. This is not making your potential. Your, live, your, your bank account from this website is at one-tenth so if you're making 10 grand a month, this should be making 100. 
I still have no idea. Now, purchase products. Okay, not many people like to click that. So it looks like you mostly have, ooh, that looks good. Whipped mint chocolate hair mask. What you need to do is look at your analytics. What do people buy the most? Put that right on the front. You know why I, Apple has that right there? Number one reason people are going to the Apple website right now is to buy that damn iPhone 10. That's it. And then the second reason is to buy an iPhone 8. And the third reason is they don't even care. Watches, all that stuff. Okay, who else has a website? SEO, some of these I'm scared to click on. The coffeebeanmke.com. What the hell? Okay, I kind of like it and kind of hate it, just to be honest with you. First of all, don't sew sandwiches at all on a coffee website, just period. My buddy that makes $6 million a month, I told you this internet mafia, he's the shyest guy in the world. I've tried to get him to conferences, he won't come. He says number one thing that increases the amount of money you make is congruency, especially on a website. I go to the coffee bean and I see, okay, that's good, but it's not that good. First of all, there's no faces for some reason. Forget all this. This I kind of like that you put your address. If you have a restaurant, number one reason people go to your website is for hours. I would put it, this is too small. This maybe doesn't need to be right there. What you need to do is tell people, why do people go to your website? I bet you they go to your website because you're somehow different. I don't even know legally. Isn't there a company, the Coffee Bean? Coffee Bean, too. <laughs> you haven't gotten sued yet for doing this? They're going to come for you. Unless, because that's not the Coffee Beans logo, is it? Mm-mm. You it's may want to change your name unless you were maybe before the Coffee Bean, then theoretically you could sue them. But um, about us, no, there's nothing about you. I hate about us pages like that. There's nothing. People buy into people. Steve Jobs in 1984, he got up in front of Apple and he said, I'm the founder of Apple. You buy into me. Who's the founder of the largest companies in the world? Who's the founder of Berkshire Hathaway? Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. Everybody knows that. Who's the founder of Microsoft? Bill Gates. Who's the founder of um, Facebook? Does anybody know? Yes, Mark Zuckerberg. Everybody knows. The smaller your business, the more you better sell yourself. It's actually backwards. The smaller, this is a small business. You're not making, I'm assuming, the revenue that Amazon's doing, three, four hundred billion dollars a year, right? Even... Amazon, Jeff Bezos, becomes a spokesperson. This is no good. Crash, destroy, also the words, no good. Our mission is to bring together food, beverage, atmosphere, customer service, great staff, blah, 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 blah. No one cares. Ain't nobody in the planet Earth read. I'm probably the first person to ever read that paragraph. It's just, just destroy this whole page. Now, by the way, just to say, because I always say there's three reasons people are poor, really four. And when I look at my life, when I've made mistakes, these are the four reasons. The overarching principle is stubbornness. It destroys your money, trust me. Below that, there's four kinds of stubbornness. There's self-importance, where you go, Ty, I built this website. Uh, don't talk down to me. That's, the second one's related, sensitivity. I always tell people, you can either be right or you can be rich. So you choose. You want to be right about this page and argue with me, or you want to make money? Because I, when I look for a business partner, I'm like, Hey, dude, do you want to be right or do you want us to be rich? Because if I have an idea and it's stupid, I'm excited that somebody shoots it down. Why would I want to waste one day of my life doing something stupid? This is not a good page. Your homepage is a little better, but you can do better. If you're already making and, and you need pictures, is this person, that looks like a stock photography picture. 
If not, and you have supermodel guys that serve your coffee, do a video. That looks fake. You can be right or you can be rich. So the, other, the third one is sensual things. Like people get addicted to drugs and alcohol. So we're stubborn. Like they keep drinking even though it's killing them, but they're, they can't stop. So hopefully no one here, hopefully you're not sensually addicted to the, your website where you go and, and look at it. There's people who are weird. There's a dude I saw a documentary. He has sex with his car. You ever see that one? There's a whole documentary on this dude who has sex with his car. So he had a sensual addiction to his car. If that's you, you got bigger problems than coffee. And then the fourth reason that people are stubborn, sometimes people are just stupid. Like you'll tell them and they can't get it. They're like, but but I like my website. Well, okay. You can be right or you can be rich. I think the best way, and what's fun is you guys are all watching this process, right? You practice this every single day. I practice every single day. The biggest thing is get your phone out and start documenting your process of whatever it is you want to do, right? Like every single day, um, uh, in this book, I talk, there's a quote from Garrett White. I was speaking at his event today. And uh, in the book, he, talk, or, um, he talked about um, most people are scared because when they get started, they're like, oh, I'm going to start this thing and I'm not going to be good at it. I'm going to suck. And the reality is like, when you first start this, you're going to suck, right? But... The whole key is like, if you keep doing it, you'll suck less and less, and eventually you'll actually become good. And so my guess, if we went back to the Snapchats of yours, five mm-hmm. years, four, when did you start this whole game? Like, Yeah, I mean, I dabbled in 2012 13. You were pretty good though from the very 2015. beginning. Your first video in the garage was amazing. So <laughs> That wasn't my first one though. <laughs> okay, so that, that's no, great to know for my everybody. First one How didn't do as well. How many did you have to do before like one hit? I mean, I really started in 2013, and the big hit was in 2015. Okay, two years. This yeah. is amazing. So this is important because you guys are like, oh, this is Ty Lopez, like the big mansion, everything's happening. He's got a million people are listening, but like it didn't start initially, right? Yeah. So one of the guys in here that uh, that we worked really close with, um, his name's Anthony DiComeni. He's got a, a site uh, called the Biohackers Guide, uh, biohackersguide.com. And he wrote this book and wanted to get a message out, and he's trying to buy ads and all this stuff, and nothing's working. He's like, what should I do? I said, get your phone out, and every single day I want you to make one video t- showing like some weird biohack, and at the end of it, tell people to go buy your book. And he was like, okay. So he, he's like, what should I do? I'm like, just do it on any weird thing you want. So he starts like picking a biohack every single day. So one day it was like, he put on these lasers in his nose and his ears, and he like talked about the biohack, and they go buy the Sharks book. Sharks with lasers on their heads. <laughs> Laser beams. <laughs> And he did it, and then like nobody watched the video. And I posted on his, fa- his fan page, I had like two people, I like, think his mom and me were it. And like nobody listened to it, and he's like, this doesn't work. I'm like, it doesn't matter, you're learning your voice, do it again. So next day he did another one, and he did another one. And he did it like every day for probably 11 or 12 days. And then like that day, like the 11th or 12th day, he was kind of bored, and he's like, I'm gonna make a video called How to Biohack Your Vegetables. And I remember watching it go live, and I'm like, dude, you wasted a day, there's no lasers, there's no weird things, there's no like, Freezing tanks, like your biohack, it was like put butter in your vegetables, that's how you biohack it. So he does this little video, and we put like $10 in ads behind it, and for some reason, that one hit. Yeah. Then a week, has 1.5 million views, so wow. it was like 20, uh, excuse me, so it was like 2,000 copies of his book, and he's off for the races. Wow. And after he kept making more videos and more videos, and he didn't know which, like we didn't know that was the message of the market wanted, we had no idea, we just, he kept doing it, kept doing it until like it worked. And so if you guys are just getting started, I'd like get your phone out every single day, do a Facebook Live, or whatever your thing is you're gonna do, pick a product you want to sell, it can be yours, it can be Ty's, it can be mine, it can be, you don't have to have your own product nowadays, there's so many things you, you can affiliate. be passionate about. Yep. Find some of your, become an affiliate mentor box and be like, this is the great, like, every time you get your box, do a video talking about it and showing what's inside of it and why you're so excited and just keep doing that consistently and then put like five or $10 in ads behind it and most of the time your messages aren't gonna hit, but every once in a while, if you do it right, something will, the message will hit with your audience and all of a sudden like, you become an overnight success. Yeah. 
And that's that's the key. They like said you were two years, and all of a sudden this that yeah. that was the first video that just blew up yep. and went crazy. Just you know, you get better. I tell people, people forget. There's very few things in this world that you do more than once that you get worse at. So you just gotta start. <laughs> I remember the first time I played basketball. I moved to North Carolina, never picked up a basketball. I was 13, and we moved. My house was basically next, well, it was next to the projects. So I had to go to school. I had to go to the middle of projects. And in the middle of projects in North Carolina, there's a basketball court. So I sat there, and before the bus would come, everybody would start shooting basketball. So I remember taking the basketball and being like, what is this? I grew up playing soccer. So I throw the ball. You ever seen the, um, Along Came Polly with Ben Stiller? Yes. And, uh, ben Stiller. Jan Branson? No, what's the? Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I was like Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm like, Air, like the ball's bouncing off. But you get better with progress, meaning you put one foot in front, you shoot one time, you build one website. People are always like, Ty, how can I be sure my first business is my best business? I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why would you want your first business to be your best one? Mm-hmm. That means you have the inability to learn and get better. That means you're basically some Benjamin Button ding, you know, idiot that you get stupider. You don't get stupider, you get more experience. Let's jump to the most advanced technique, advanced. number five. All right, so this one, you asked me when we were eating dinner over here, you said, how big is your sales team? So my sales team is one person that we use to build our team, and it's me, I'm the only salesperson. So I didn't build a whole sales team with thousands of salespeople like a lot of big software companies do. So I had to figure out, how do I sell to the masses where it's just me speaking to a whole bunch of people, closing 100 or 1,000 or 5,000 people at a time, because I don't want to build a whole sales team. I did it in a business in the past, it was horrible. And so I had to figure out, how do you sell to masses? And I didn't know how to do that for a long time. I had to learn. I went to seminars. I spoke on stages. I got, did a really bad job of it and kept like, learning how to, like, how to speak and actually sell in a big audience. And uh, that's how we built ClickFunnels, with webinars that are selling to masses. So we get anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000 people registered for a webinar. I come on. I do a 90-minute presentation. At the end of it, people sign up like crazy. It's live. Uh, they're yep. live webinars. Yep. And so in that, it's like, how, so how do you do that? Like selling one-on-one is different, right? Because I'm selling one-on-one. I have a chance to talk to you. And you have a concern. I respond. We go back and forth. And so there's a lot of good salespeople who can sell one-on-one. But just selling masses, I have to be able to hit like all the big problems at once and be able to try to resolve everyone's concern without actually resolving anyone's concerns individually. And so it's a big part of this whole book I teach. But the, this is the advanced strategy I want you to understand is that to be able to sell to the masses, to be able to convert 10 or 100 or 1,000 people all at once, you have to become very, very good at understanding what people's false beliefs are, okay? So people have these false beliefs that keep them from buying. There's a reason why people aren't gonna pick up the book and read. There's some false belief like, I'm not an expert. I don't believe that. So they all have something, right? There's a reason why people aren't signed for MentorBox. They're not going to an event or whatever that thing is. They have these false beliefs that hold them back, right? And so our job as marketers is we have to figure out like what's the false belief that they have. And typically what happens is that most of us have that same false belief sometime in our life. Mm-hmm. So we have, to, we have to remember like, what, was, what happened in my life? Why do I not believe that anymore? Because there's a reason why I, I don't do that anymore. Like what's the reason? What's the story behind it? And we have to go back in time and remember, okay, I don't believe that anymore because of this thing. And then when I'm speaking masses, I tell stories in a way to help break people's false beliefs. Okay, so for example, probably the easiest one to, to map this out, and I'm not into network marketing, but it's a really good example of this, right? So let's say I want to sign up. Let's say I'm in a room and I got 50 people and I want them to sign up for a network marketing program. So I'm thinking like, what is the false belief most of these people probably have? Like the false belief is that if I join this company, all my friends and my family are going to leave me, right? That's a belief that a lot of people have, okay? <laughs> and so I think like, well, why do they have that belief? Why do they believe that if, that if, 
that they join the company, they're, they're going to lose their friends and family. And I'm like, okay, well, it's probably because one time in the past, one of two things happened. Number one is that they got into a company, they got all excited, they started calling their friends and their family, and they had a horrible experience, all right. the people hated them. Or number two is they were on the receiving end of that, and they got a call from their brother pitching them and wouldn't leave them alone. And so because of that, they're like, if I get involved in this company, I'm going to have these people that just hate me, right? Yeah. So that's their false belief. So if I'm going to convince somebody, like I, no matter how good the product or the services, I cannot... I'm never gonna close that person in a million years. And most people have that false belief, right? So I gotta think, okay, like what's, what's the story that happened? What's the experience I had? Why don't I not believe that? And um, I was talking to some of this big network marketing, one of the guys in our community, and he told me the whole story. Because I asked him, I'm like, I'm like so that's your, like, that's your audience's false belief. Why don't you believe that? He's like, well, I did believe that for a long time. I was like, he had the same false belief. So tell me why that's no longer true. And he said, well, I joined a program, I had a really bad experience, and lost my friends, and all my, all my people stopped returning my calls, so I left. And a little while later, I had a friend, and he told me that you could generate leads online of people that actually were interested. And he's like, right. I put up ads, and they raised their hand, and then they would fill out a form, then I would call them, and he's like, everyone I called was excited to hear from me because they just asked me to call them, and then they sign up. And he's like, I didn't talk to a single friend or family member ever. Huh. And so I was like, okay, hey, that's your story. Tell that story to this audience and this false belief that they're holding on to with all their might. All of a sudden, your story will, will shatter that false belief and they'll buy. Yeah. And so for me, like when we started ClickFunnels and I was trying to figure out how do I sell to the masses, I had to figure out like what are the false beliefs in my audience? And I figured out those false beliefs and then we put them in a what presentation. What was the main false belief? There's always three false beliefs that people have. The first one is false belief about the thing that you're trying to get them into. So for me, it's funnel. So like, yeah. they're like, oh, well, I could use Shopify or I could be on Amazon or I can, what are they, that's their false belief is that they could do it a better way or some other way. Yeah. So I had to break that false belief. The second false belief people always have is their internal ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool, but like, I don't know if I can, I'm not techie and I can't do that. So I had to break the internal belief. And then there's always a, an, the third belief is an external belief, which in my business is like, well, so yeah, my first one, I convince them they need a funnel. Number two is like, I convince them they can do it because it's really simple. I show them click funnels like, oh, I'm an idiot. I can do it. And the third one, they always freak out. It's like, well, if I have a funnel, I don't know how to get people to show up. Yes. So I show them traffic, like, oh, here's how you get traffic. And they're like, oh my gosh. Now all their false beliefs are gone. They have to give me money. They have to sign up. Yeah. And that's like the big secret to mass selling. And that's the whole concept of this book is that. Like, how do I sell to the masses? Like, how do you do it? And it's understanding your audience's false beliefs about the thing you're trying to sell them, their internal ability to do the thing you're trying to sell them, and then the external fear they have that could be like, that they can blame on, like, I can't do it because my wife won't let me, or because I don't have traffic, or whatever the external thing and is. And you think that's the same in anything you Everything sell. I've done. So out of our 55,000 members, I would say, man, probably 15,000 or so um, are selling in the masses this way, through webinars, through Facebook yep. Lives, and they do is they figure out the false belief about the, the thing they're selling, internal and external, you wrap that and What's the boom. third one? How do you generalize that one? The third one yeah, for you guys was, you know, that people couldn't get traffic. Um, so what would that be for somebody who's not selling something online? Let's say, a, I don't know, personal fitness. Okay, somebody fitness. doing so, fitness training. So let's talk about Lady Boss. Lady Boss is some of our best success stories. They, uh, they don't do webinars. They do Facebook Lives. Um, and I'm like, I wish I could share their numbers. They are doing insane numbers. Making Facebook Live. $100 a year? Yeah, a little okay. bit. Good, um, success story number one. So, so there's, like, their external is like, okay, it's like, I convinced you that you need to follow our weight loss plan, right? Yep. And it's like, but I don't know if I can do it because like in the past I failed and I've tried things. It's like, okay, now we have to shatter that one. Like, How would they shatter that? What's um, an example? Showing them like, trying to get people to lose weight. Number one, you got to convince them. This is a little bit, um, I had Wolf of Wall Street here. Uh, Jordan Belfort. The book here. And he kind of has a similar framework of you got to, number one, convince them that you are to be trusted as a human. 
Mm-hmm. Number two, he said you have to convince them that the company that you work for is to be trusted. And the third thing, you have to convince them that your product's to be trusted. That's kind of like what you're saying. Number one, you had to convince them that ClickFunnels has things that Amazon and Shopify don't, don't have. Number two, you had to convince them that they could trust you, that, that it would be simple. Almost they had to trust themselves. Yep. And then the third one was the external one. You had to, they, that they had to learn to trust you that they could get customers. Yeah. So the weight loss one, the external could be like, well, I know I could do this diet plan, but my wife, she always buys all this junk food and the kids have candy. <laughs> I can't do it because of that, right? Yeah. Like who are they going to pawn off this excuse on? Like that's the, that's the, the external for something like that. But everyone's got so those. How, all, how, did, how like, do you break that one? Um, so get them, it. leave your wife. Yeah, leave it. No, it's like get your get your family involved. Like make this part of the whole thing. Like family yes. that diets together. Like they have success. And anyway, but you know, for Kaylin who runs Lady Boss, like it's her story. It's like what was? So I come back to her and it's like, why do you believe this is the right product? Yeah. There's a reason why you started this company. Like tell that story. And then it's like, cause you tried other things before you came into this. Like tell the story about other stuff you tried and why this worked. Boom, knocks down that false belief. And it's like, now. You didn't lose weight the very first time you tried it. What were your fears? Like, what kept you from doing it personally? And how did you break that? Tell that story. You tell that story, and all of a sudden the next one falls down. And it's like, no, what are the external things you blamed it on? Like, I can't do it because of why. Tell that story why you don't believe that anymore. And when those things fall down, they have to follow you. Yeah. If they don't, then they're lying to themselves. Google has earbuds now that translate anything in 40 languages. Imagine now that you're going on that, that life trip to Nepal, which you've always wanted, and there at the bar is the future love of your life, okay? Yeah. You travel with two pair of glasses. You put them on her, and you, the two of you can look face-to-face and understand each other no matter what language the two of you speak. Yeah. How life-changing is that? It's just one app. It's almost going to make language irrelevant. Well, what it'll do hopefully is make miscommunication and the fear of others and, and make our world a better place. Yeah. So these big obvious ones, there's people that are gonna spend a ton of money and have a head start. But everybody listening here has their own path in life. Yeah. They have an experience that, that the student at Stanford and the VC in Silicon Valley doesn't have. Yes. A farm perspective, a small town perspective, but of any industry. And there's some way to apply this just as people applied the phone to it. Yes. That's where there's opportunity. You're building on the back of people investing billions of dollars to make augmented reality glasses. And many of these things can be done with a tablet or phone today. You can do augmented reality. It's not as natural because you don't want to walk around a supermarket right, like this. Up, yeah. um, but for some applications, you would. Yeah. And for some specific fields we're working with, I'll, I'll just give you one because it's on top of my mind right now of utility line workers, people that keep the electricity working in this country, mm-hmm. half of them will retire in the next five years because of the age of what happened in that industry, which basically means keeping our electrical grid working in this country is in jeopardy. Okay. How do you train enough people? Well, training takes a lot of time, and training typically has two fatal flaws. By the time I give you information that's out of date, right. and no trainee has 100% recognition of what they learned. I don't care what the field is. But if a heads-up display can now guide me through stuff, and when I hit the exception, the glasses also have what's called see what I see. So I go out to the field, I've learned how to do 80% of my job installing a cable box, fixing a telco, any repair that you think out there. But then I come across the transformer from 1982. I don't don't know that. But Ralph back at the office does. 
Right, you tap it and boom. Ralph, instead of having to roll a second truck in one of our clients, this is a million dollar a day problem that they're facing today in rolling second trucks around the US. Ralph can just sit in his nice air conditioned crib. He could even be retired and go, oh yeah, I know what that is. He sees what you're doing, tells you what to do, guides you through it. And the AI system or the machine learning system records that and updates the training so the next person sees that problem, yeah. the knowledge is there. Your knowledge stays here. So we just yes. have to learn how to use our heads-up display. The knowledge doesn't leave when an employee leaves. Yeah. The world fundamentally changes. So if you're interested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and want to learn how to make money with Bitcoin, I'm opening up a brand new Bitcoin crypto academy for you. Crypto is starting to fundamentally change everything from currencies to the very structure behind the internet. And if you don't understand it, you will be left behind. Remember, if you had put $100 into Bitcoin in 2010, you would have over $100 million right now. I don't want you to miss out on the coming opportunities offered by Bitcoin in the cryptocurrency space. So I brought in the best experts in the game, the people that are teaching me and training me, and I'm going to share that with you because it's not too late to understand Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the blockchain and to make money with it. So to sign up for my new Bitcoin Crypto Academy and learn how to invest, how to make money in this new exciting space, I'm gonna open up room for a few of you to have early access to the new online mentor mastermind. So go to tylopez.com slash Bitcoin podcast to learn more. So I'm testing the mastermind. So I'm just gonna let a few of you in at a low price and uh, it's already filling up quickly. So if you wanna get in, I'll let a few of you in. So go to tylopez.com slash Bitcoin podcast, all one word, tylopez.com slash Bitcoin podcast. If the course is closed, when you get to the page, put in your name in the waiting list, you missed out on the first round. Uh, and if you see it, welcome to the group. I'm glad you didn't procrastinate. Okay, back to the show. We just had these huge fires in San Diego. First yeah. responders to have the ability, to, like you said, to patch an expert in. Like, how do you think this fire is moving? I'm on the ground. This is what I see. Or let somebody instantly see an electrical line. I can't tell you how many first responders die from that. Yes. And the system being able to recognize that and know which lines to shut off. I, I learned this and this terrified me. So I'll, I'll leave out the details of company stuff. But gas lines, you know, natural gas that goes into high-rise buildings like in New York and whatever. Yes. Those lines are plastic PVC, and they're welded together by a little bead of heating up the plastic thing. Okay. And the safety concern is they want to make sure if there's the slightest hole, gas comes out, and every once in a while you see one of these four or five-story buildings just blows up and people die. Yes. So the technology today that's being used is they're so worried about this, the three people have to look at that and say, yeah, it looks good. Huh. With their eyes. Yes. It's a black pipe with melted black pipe on it. Your glasses could look at it and know for sure and see through it. Yes. First responders with augmented can be tied into the building plan of the building. And if there's smoke, they'll know, they'll see a grid, just like you're playing a video game, of where the hallways are and where yes. to go and how to, how to get to whatever you need to do. If you're working in a street, where to dig up, you can look at the street like Superman and see where there's cables running and where there's, there's other things that you shouldn't dig into because you can tie and feed into the plans. Yeah. So. There are so many problems that suddenly get solved because some thousands of people invented a new interface for life. Yes. And as I said, it's not just about adding to the environment, it's also about subtracting. My other example- Helping you make decisions. 
by removing a world that has too many options, the Correct. paradox of right. choice. My, my fun example is, and Google Lens now does this, they're now identifying objects by seeing them, and they can understand by context why you want to know. So you and I are hiking through the rainforest of Costa Rica, beautiful. A viper comes down and bites me on the hand. I do not want my glasses to tell me the Latin name of the viper. <laughs> There's pretty much one right. thing I want to know. How to, how to get some anti-venom. Is it poisonous? Right. Okay. So it says, no, it's not poisonous. My stress level just went down tremendously. Yeah. Or it says... You have five minutes to live. What who would, would you, you like, like to call? Your, yeah, what's your will? Who would you like to call? Leave your... Update your will. But these are serious issues. So the big change of this fourth transformation is we will always have access to all mankind's knowledge up until that moment. Yes. To bring to bear and help us make the best decision in that moment. And as we get into self-driving cars, it's the same thing. We're not staring out the windshield anymore. What are we doing? You've been in your car for four hours. The system knows where you've eaten, what type of food you like. We'll say that it's, it's hamburgers for the sake of argument. 1,600 feet ahead is a hamburger place. Yes. They know from the CRM and say, hey, Ty, would you like free fries? Say yes. And the car suddenly will drive through the drive through so couponing, retail, I mean, it's, so basically the reason this is a trillion dollar industry is because it's going to disrupt every single industry. Yeah. As Kafusha said, the man or the woman who chases two rabbits catches none. So if you're spread too thin, you think you're winning because you think you're diversified, but you're not really diversified. You're just really not good at anything. I was talking about this yesterday with Russell Brunson. It's like, you have to find your superpower. And so your one superpower was taking this industry where normally it was white, older male dominated. And you said, not everybody wants to deal with people like that. Let me find and build a $100 million company solely off of focus on what everybody else is missing. No doubt. And so you know the blue ocean formula. I mean, you've read the the new blue ocean shift, I think, is a new one they're talking about where it's more people-driven. That formula of figuring out a way to differentiate yourself, it's, it's actually effective in every single industry you look at. A lot of people ask me a question and they say, Pat, what industry should I get involved in? I'm sure you get that all yeah. the time. Should I get involved in this? Should I get involved in that? Should I do this? There are many ways to make money if you figure out a way to tap into a market that no one's paying attention to. Yeah. And you know the four steps. Find a way to minimize Okay. So for us, everybody was doing BD, broker-dealer. Yes. And you're seeing the direction the financial industry is going with regulating everything. We stepped away from BD, even though I'm a seven, so you do fixed, six, all fixed, fixed up. purely yep. fixed. So get smaller, actually. It's like, in order to make more money, get smaller. Minimize what you're going after. No doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, we went, minimized that. We eliminated BD. Uh, we still have a BD, but it's not something we promote and we drop. Money, not yeah. at all. Uh, we created broker dealer. It basically means managing money. Yeah. For so, those of you who don't know what a broker dealer is. So and then outside of that, you know, we What we, were the other four? You said so minimize. You got minimize, you gotta eliminate. Yep. You gotta create. Yep. So we created a market that we're going after that they're not going after in the marketplace. Yep. And then you have create, minimize, increase. So if you notice in that formula and this strategies, it's more about doing less stuff. Most people do too much stuff, trust me. You know what I always say? Tell me. The whole goal should be work half as much with twice the results. It's even with working out. You see people in the gym, on the treadmill, nonstop. I had this neighbor. I, I have a, another house up in Hollywood Hills. And this guy, I would play basketball outside. 
he would come jogging by me. Every day since 2009 that I was there, he would come jogging around. The dude got fatter and fatter and fatter. And I was going, you got to jog. I never said anything, but I wanted to say, first of all, whatever you're doing, stop. Because it's actually, you're, unless your goal is to gain weight by jogging. Number two, he was doing too much. Like he could have done sprints. He, if he could have done 20 minutes of sprints was better than his two hour run and so I feel like that's how most entrepreneurs are. They're like, Ty, I'm like grinding away. I'm working, I'm working. I'm like, yeah, but number one, you're working on the wrong thing. You haven't differentiated, like you said. So you get a lot of guys uh, that today, you know, they're all uh, looking at social media and, well, you know, this has changed so much and uh, uh, what do I do? What's my strategy with Facebook, Instagram, all this other stuff? Take Ty Lopez. Okay. And no social media exists today. There is no Google AdWords. Mm-hmm. It is 1989. Okay. Okay. Right. What is your approach going to be if it's 1989? Is it that dramatic of a different approach as a strategy in 1989 versus today? No, it's just, it, I would, the same principles, it's just easier now. So, I mean, I would probably, now in 89, you'd still, so it's harder because back in 89, most of your businesses had a huge physical Harder component. 89 or harder? Harder 1989. By far, right? So I would still do the same principles, which I basically like what you say. The reason people build a personal brand is because the one thing you can differentiate for sure is your personal brand. There's zero way somebody else can be you. So I would find markets that are competitive, yet I could put one twist to them that all of a sudden it's blue ocean strategy, no competitor. Even in 89? Yeah, go okay. to finance. So here's yes. a question, follow-up question too with that. I'm here, you, you are running this thing, everybody's happy, you got a team. How do you know what you need next to hire in your team? You know, here's the thing I think about hiring talent. Hiring for specific things. So if you just hire and you say, all right, now I need a marketing person. The problem is it's hard to teach an idiot who says he's good at marketing to actually be good. It's better to hire... Uh, made that's a genius and then you can go forget cleaning my house i'm gonna teach you how to do marketing so you let them evolve yeah talent anywhere you meet talent you should hire them what's your approach you got how many how many agents do you have 5100 agents so you have 5100 agents so you're big scaling you know large what do you look for in people one of the strategies to grow you want to talk operations or sales let's talk about one at a time okay let's get the operations the the operations people in your office so first thing i do with operations is when I'm first getting started, I make sure the one area that puts a lot of people out of business is compliance. Yep. So I need solid attorney. Yep. I need somebody that knows all the laws of whatever industry I'm a part of. Yep. Um, you know, the regulation, all that stuff. So I'm protected. These are the boring stuff that yeah. nothing is exciting about it, right? Yep. So that's step number one so on that So you have side. full-time attorney? I have full-time okay. three. And how yep. many accountants do you have? Uh, we have a team. So we yeah. deal with a bigger, bigger accounting firm, firm that, that they have answer. a team for yeah. us that they help us out. Yeah. So we just had our audited financials being done for three years, and you know how it is when you're going through it. That's a, you know, it's these guys. One sit. of the most exciting things you can ever do, audited financials. It's uh, it's so exciting. Let me tell life. you, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> euphoric. It's a good word. I have for it, a right? friend that makes. Oh, I don't know. He probably makes a couple hundred million bucks a year. He lives here in L.A. If you contact him around April 16th, he's grumpy, dude. He's the meanest guy in the world, and yeah. I'm like, why? He's like. If you saw the size of the fucking check I just wrote, you would be pissed every year. He's got to move to Texas, man. Yeah, but if you give him a month. No, but someone's federal tax, too. If you give him a month, 
he's all he forgets about it. But he's, just for April 16th to May 16th, he's cutting big checks. So, all right. So you did your audit financials. So, so first thing is compliance. I don't want to worry about compliance because if I'm playing offense, I got to play offense. Okay, okay. I got to know. Uh, what my personality type is. Sometimes a CFO is starting a company, but they don't know how to drive a company and they fail. So what personality type do you like? I, f- what I like or yeah. what I am? Yeah, what are you? Let's so talk about that. I'm, I'm probably an A. A is my first. And then I'm probably going to be in T and then an R and then an S. So I'm okay. going to be action, then probably uh, somewhat technical, then relationship, then uh, uh, structure. So what test do you like to use? There's so many of them, but yeah. you typically get the same answer. Yeah. So for me, it's simple. I just use the STAR mm-hmm. uh, system I learned many, many years ago, and that's worked very effectively so for STAR. me. So STAR, explain what that stands for. So somebody who is, uh, for instance, I talked to me and I, uh, and I asked her, I said, so Ty, when's his birthday? April 11th. 11th or April, April 11th? Okay. So uh, is he organized? Is he meticulous? Is he detailed? Is he OCD? He's got a little OCD. He's got a little bit of this. Okay, great. So, you know, maybe a different personality out there. A is somebody that's absolutely driven, competitive, a chip. They're drivers. They, you know, if you're around them, you feel like you're going to go do something big with because they're always thinking about where they're going to next. But they also get distracted because they're, you know, sometimes they're right. all over the place, right? So, Most entrepreneurs. Yes. A's need S's. S's, hey, uh, I have a vision. I'm an A. We're going to go conquer the world. Great. First, we need to build a bridge. The bridge is going to cost us this. Let's talk so to the So the S is the engineer? You need the S's. What's you, the S stand for? Structure. Structure. System. Okay. Yeah. So then T, analytical. The you thinker. Know, the thinker. Yeah. Uh, this may not be a good strategy. We got to be careful. This guy comes after us. And then you got the R, the relationship person that keeps people together. You yep. know, the synergist. Yep. Right? And so you're going back to the question about what I would do for, for a team. That's the first part on what I got to not worry about with compliance. Then it's about my funnels, right? So for, for instance, for me, insurance business comes in, I gotta make sure that's being processed as effectively and efficiently as possible. So which one of it can I have a technology drive? Which one of it do I need hands-on? Yes. The more technology, the speed's higher, the less hands-on, less human error, yeah. you know, it's just more efficient if I have that. But regardless, I still need human touch yes. here. So that system's here, compliance here, licensing here, conversion here. I'm good in this area. Then on social media, marketing, then I start hiring CFOs, director of finance, payroll. You know, you want to make sure. Who do you hire for your social media marketing? Who you do have your I own have? internal team that yes, helps you? I do. So what I do is my approach has been similar to what you just said right now. That's why I asked you, obviously, on social media, you've done a phenomenal job with what you got right now on social media, is I hired uh, Mario, for instance. I brought Mario in. Mm-hmm. Mario came and I said, Mario, we don't know nothing about social media. Mm-hmm. You got to go figure out what to do. So I told Mario, you got 60 days. I want you to go watch every video, study every book, go through every single thing, come back and tell me what you got. So he comes back mm-hmm. and he says, here's what I'm looking at. I said, here's what I want to do with Twitter. This is what I want to look at with Facebook. This is what I want to do with this. And we're going through that part. What was the biggest kind of breakthrough Mario found for you? Uh, for us, when we started a YouTube channel, originally, it was called Two Minutes with Pat, and not a single video was two minutes, except for the last one. They were all seven <laughs> minutes. So they said, Pat, we can't do two minutes with Pat anymore. Two minutes this, with Pat, okay. It's terrible. People were right? getting confused. <laughs> seven minutes, Seven minutes. minutes. So finally, we said, what do we like to do? We like value. We like entertainment. So why don't we add it together, valuetainment, and then we started valuetainment uh, I want to say in 2014, 15. Okay. And at the time we had five, 3,000 subscribers, 5,000 subscribers, and we made it one keyword, entrepreneur. 
today is 450,000 subs, and it's purely, yeah. you know, something we do on the side part-time, right? Is Bitcoin a bubble? I know you're probably sick of being asked this. Everybody's been saying it's a bubble. You see big bankers saying this. The more they say it, China's banned ICOs, Russia's banned cryptocurrencies, the more it's going up right now. What's your answer to that? Is this a bubble? Yeah, of course it's a bubble, but you know, uh, what, what are bubbles? Markets, and this one in particular, the, the sentiment is the primary barometer you know, of the price right now. And so you know, when you think about it from you know, that perspective, it's going to be an emotional market and you're going to see emotional run-ups and because it's scarce, you know, you can see these big movements and you're going to see corrections and, you know, it's just like back in the internet bubble, you know, it wasn't all this straight up and to the right for years. We had lots of like, you know, yes. movements during that phase. And so this is going to be no different. So the data point I would give you though that's most interesting is we're calling it a 300 billion, you know, you know we're four, we can get $400 billion market cap sector more or less right now. Uh, and, you know, kind of doing this in this period. How big do you think the internet was during its heyday? In 1999, it got to over 7 trillion, the uh, internet tech stocks. And so, so the, 7 trillion. And that was when it was an only a Western phenomenon. And this is not adjusting to inflation. So right. I could argue it was, it'd be a 50 trillion or a $100 trillion market today. So relative to that market that was betting on the future potential of a new technology, which is inferior to what this is. Yeah. This is 10 times bigger. I think, yeah, we're, we're in maybe a temporary one, but it will go, we're far from being even anywhere close to where the internet got. Yeah. And so the thing that I would argue is the biggest bubble today is the stock market. So you think cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin at 300 bill, three to $400 billion market cap is not nearly the bubble as conventional S&P 500 regular stock market, what people have their 401k. I think the stock market's more of a bubble. So you could see that crashing, a bigger crash than you could see crypto. Of course, it's a bigger market too, so obviously, I mean, but- uh, So would you recommend people listening should be starting moving a little bit of their money from conventional stocks over into Bitcoin, Ether, things like this? Yeah, so I don't ever like to give anyone investment advice. Uh, and I don't think that if someone tries to tell you, you should do this, you should invest in that, always be very skeptical because a, a good teacher doesn't say you should do this. They give you information, they transfer knowledge to you yes. so that you can you know, be informed and get more informed if you know, it's inspired you in some way yes. and you should know what you're doing and then make decisions for yourself when you feel that you're adequately informed. And I think that's what good teachers do. These are the types of people that you should listen to, people that are trying to hawk something at you. Right. You know, normally that should like put off the red flags. Red flags. And so um, the information that I would give people is if, you know, you're doing what's called asset allocation. If you have assets, you, you want to try and figure out how they should be allocated and give some thought to it, have intention in yeah. the things that you do. And so you can say, uh, uh, okay, I've now been informed enough due to my own research yes. to have formed my own opinion, to have my own view, because I'm making a decision for myself, I am choosing to do this. Uh, once you've done that, you say, how much do I want to allocate? And that's going to be a matter of what level of knowledge you have and what level of conviction you have. Right. You know, your prediction of the future. And you might say, I want 1% of my assets in something like this. You might say, I want more. Right. You know, I'm more or less mostly in blockchain and crypto-related assets and real estate. Yep. Um, uh, that's I, where you put your money, either in crypto real estate's my or edge. real estate. So real estate is your physical asset that if something happens, you know you're balanced out here. Well, no, well, I think the real estate market's interesting because it's undervalued, uh, hugely undervalued because it's the second largest asset class. And 
it doesn't have a matching engine or an order book. It's still running on real estate agents and like, you know, I mean, talk about some draconian infrastructure, a market of this size. So as soon as real estate title gets put on the blockchain and where it becomes digital title, yes. it becomes fractional. The, the stuff that's going to come out of that is going to be utterly insane. So imagine if you could say, I want to buy $100 in you know, every house in a neighborhood yes. or $1,000 and it's all fractionalized and it's a whole market that's trading all the time and fractions of home ownership. If you make it truly liquid, markets have liquidity discounts. Yes. Bring liquidity to the market, you will cause them a huge increase so you in think price. Theoretically, so this is a whole thing for those of you who don't know. You have cryptocurrencies and they're built on a type of technology that's broadly called blockchain. And there's different blockchains. There's Bitcoin is on one technology and Ether is on another one. You are the co-founder of potentially one of, well, EOS is going to be or is another technology. You're saying real estate is going to go up on this technology and no longer just be realtors with titles in old-fashioned 1800s methodologies. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the technology that will, you know, have that big an impact. It's going to affect everything. So to, to help... Yeah, what else will it affect? So what other let, huge let, things? Let me take you down, like, to the foundation. So the internet itself. If I wanted to, des- to describe the internet in three words, I would call it a data transport protocol. Okay. It's a system for moving information. Now, the problem is it's an insecure data transport protocol, and that's because back when the Internet was first being designed, we, couldn't, we didn't have the processing power to run the types of cryptography necessary to do this. And so the foundation of the Internet was built wrong, and then we just kept building on top of it. But the problem is when, you, when the foundation of a system is wrong, meaning it's insecure, and the way that it was constructed, it, it'll never be secure. It's, the Internet is essentially broken. What the blockchain is doing is it's going to bring and create the secure data transport protocol. And so the Internet is only fulfilling one small part of its potential because of this security flaw. When you fix security, the internet is gonna reach its full potential, which is gonna be, I think, 10 times greater. Every industry in the world is going to be affected, and it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Are you you saying internet will be gone as we know it? Yeah, this is the new internet, it's the upgrade. Huh. So the the entire internet's gonna go, I think. So will websites like Amazon, like Google disappear, or they'll have to go on the blockchain? Well, they're they're gonna have to go through their process of upgrading, and anytime you have a big transformational event like this, read the innovator's dilemma. Yeah. You know, you've got the incumbent and you've got the new entrance and, you know, there's going to be a meeting of the minds there. But my view is I help the incumbent industry as much as I can. I help the startup community as much as I can because if anyone is successful in changing the world and making it a better place, we all win. So I help everyone. I don't ever ask for anything. I give everyone in the industry I can help every person that I have as much time in the day to do. I don't sleep because, you know, it's such an inspiring thing to do. Thank you for that. I believe, you know, we have an incredible opportunity here to make the world a better place.